and we're going we're gonna to just rearrange this a little bit because I need to look you in the eye here. Okay. Is that okay, everyone? I can see how I'm moving this more centered here. <laughs> here we go. It's for all our friends at home, all of our, our family that's watching online today. Welcome. It, it has nothing to do with our own OCD. Well, it definitely does. For, <laughs> this is me. This is who I am for sure. I love things done uh, visually. I, I, they called me the visual architect. Who are they? I have no idea. Maybe it's self-professed, but we'll see. Michael, thank you for being here today. It is a joy to be here. Ab absolute joy. And uh, for Ann and I, uh, we just feel that uh, God has something very unique in this house that's taking place in the development of the kingdom of God and walking together as family. That's it. You know, we have... Um, we have been able to build this, this beautiful core of leaders and young leaders and champions of, of this next generation. And for that, I'm thankful you know that. Our church knows that. Um, but alongside this, this journey towards developing the next wave of leaders that will influence the local church, there is something so Im valuable, important, vital about the partnership of generation. And you have downloaded into my heart over these months, uh, whether you realize it or not, some of the things that you've said, I believe you do recognize what you do say to me, um, prophetically as well as just in, in conversation and building trust with each other, the importance of, of recognizing the value of each and every person that's a part of a local church and ultimately the body of Christ and I honor you today uh, for the, the, the approach that you've taken, um, the willingness to, to, to hear my heart as a, uh, a young leader. I, I don't feel so young anymore, but many of you in this room would say that I am. Um, and you have, you have brought out of me uh, some thoughts and perspective that, that was so timely. And I thank you for that. Thank you for being present with, uh, with, as I said, the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. And that's what really today is about as well, is, is helping to develop uh, some of the things we've been talking about behind the scenes to our church to continue to build on this beautiful idea of, of generational connection, generational blessing, and identity in Christ. So I want to ask you, how many, how many missions, ventures, global... Um, partnership slash uh, wild trips have you been on in your lifetime? You mentioned it to me. Well, yeah, uh, we've, been, we've been blessed uh, beyond measure. Uh, over 175 uh, international trips into closed communist nations, into wow. the Middle East, uh, all over Europe and across Canada, uh, just uh, the Far East, just having uh, this opportunity to see God do something to develop intergenerational family walking together wow. beyond just 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. I love that. So I think he's got... And, and it's only been 44 years that I've been doing. Actually, this month uh, is 44 years since I entered into the ministry. Wow. Come on, let's show our, our, our gratitude for that. Um, longevity, you know, sticking to the things that, that are 
that you know God has called you to, and, and your wife Anne as well, your family. I forgot to mention, for those of you who don't, don't know this, that Jillian uh, Atkins, there, big wave. This is actually mom and dad for, for, of Jillian, if you didn't know that. So there's some, some family connection here, of course. So I want you to, uh, just to kind of set the tone this morning, share, share some of the story. Who, who is Michael? Your background, your, your family dynamic growing up. I think it's so important to do that just for relatability as well as, okay, this guy actually knows what he's talking about based on the, his experiences. Well, there's most certainly a lot of experience. Um, you know, uh, my, my birth mom, uh, her grandfather was the pioneering pastor of a Baptist church. And uh, when she became pregnant before she was married, uh, she was asked to leave the church. And uh, during her time of uh, carrying me, she was very suicidal. And so as I was born, uh, I was uh, given up for adoption. And uh, uh, I experienced some incredible uh, moments of feeling abandoned, feeling rejected, feeling, do I fit in? Where, where do I belong? And uh, over the course of my growing up years, uh, uh, I had a loving family that I was adopted into. Actually, my dad was a United Church minister. Anne's dad was a Pentecostal uh, minister. And uh, anybody that says miracles can't happen, I mean, that's a, that's a for instance right there. Um, my adopted mom, uh, bless her, uh, she, was, she had a lot of mental health challenges. And um, that impacted life on a day-to-day -day basis for us. And so, uh, again, the, the whole point of, of who I am, where do I fit, and how do I belong was an ongoing challenge uh, for, for me, for sure. And uh, I think, you know, uh, it, it came to a head, actually, when uh, my adoptive dad passed away uh, when I was in my, my mid-30s. And uh, at that point, uh, there was a, a situation that took place where I felt very alienated from the rest of the family. Uh, you might not have ever experienced uh, that. Probably you have, where, where something comes into the family dynamic that is out of your control. You don't know what to do. How can I nail this down? How can I keep this from, from exploding? Uh, but it did, it exploded. And, and so when my dad died, uh, literally, uh, I, I realized I had no connection, no root to my adoptive family because of the break in the relationship. And, and just at this moment, I just want to say, Cody, I want to thank you uh, for the way you were very vulnerable and honest in your sharing last Sunday. Thank you. Yeah. So, so in the midst of it, uh, you know, I always loved the Lord. I always walked with God. I always, I remember as a little child, loving being in church, but I had this constant internal battle. How do I do enough? How do I, how do I prove that I'm enough for God, enough for the church uh, to actually belong and have my place? I mean, it's, it's clear as we've been talking through these, these weeks, um, your understanding of, of faithfulness to the church uh, was certainly something that was invested into you, was modeled for you. Uh, although there were moments of disconnect with that, mm -hmm. trying to 
connect what's being told and what you're experiencing at home, yeah. there was uh, some, some challenge there. You were faithful. You were, you were a part of building. There were things that were happening, even in your early years of, of ministry. Mm-hmm. I rem- remember you saying you were getting to that point where, where you felt like on the surface there was a, a, a very much momentum and progress and, uh, and fruit from the things that God was doing yeah. in and through your life, yet you came to that point, mm-hmm. almost an identity crisis. It, it, was, it yeah. was an amazing thing. You know, uh, uh, we, we recognize today the power of negative words, but, but 25 or 30 years ago, uh, we were still much under the, the mindset that, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many... How many, all, all of the gray hairs will remember that saying. <clears throat> and, and some of you are gray hair, you just don't let us know of that. And, and that's okay. That's all right. But, um, but you know, a, a major leader in my, in my life, you know, uh, said, Mike, guys like you have, have made too many mistakes to ever be on a platform in ministry. In, in that same period of, and, and those mistakes were, were the mistakes of zealousness and passion. They weren't the mistakes of, of debauchery and, and all of the, you know, the big seven, as we call them. But, but they were more the sins of, of a pioneering heart, uh, longing and passionately wanting to see this transformation that was happening in me touch other people. And... Um, uh, I was a very, very passionate young dad, and um, I remember one day, you know, we were, uh, Jillian attended a, a Christian school, and uh, uh, we were uh, struggling financially, and we would uh, drive her to school every morning. I got that, that treat to drive her to school most mornings, and uh, Evening, every evening, it was always about the same thing. You know, 7, 7.30. Uh, Jillian, do you have any homework? No, I don't have any homework, Dad. Uh, can I watch TV? And, and so, you know, you'd make sure no homework. Now, none of you parents can relate to this ordinary story. <clears throat> every day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one morning, uh, we get in the car and we're bombing down that road, the eight-minute drive to the school, and uh, she opens her book bag and pulls out her notebook and starts to do her homework. (laughs) Can I just say that at this moment, I realized um, my carnality was going to overtake any spirituality in my life. And I just snapped. And I said, we're doing everything we can as a mom and dad, to send you to Christian school, to give you a leg up, to stand on our shoulders. And I asked you last night about this, and, and you said you didn't have any. She said, I forgot, Dad. I'm sorry. And in that very moment, I heard a voice, and, and actually, we have not talked about this, but it was just in the last 48 hours. I heard a voice. You make that mistake one more time, and you'll lose your daughter. And, and fear gripped my heart. 
our Jillian is everything to us. And so I, I, I wept in the car as I drove home. Father, how can I break this cycle? Literally, uh, I, I repented to the Lord the next morning. I drove her to school and I said, Jillian, I am so sorry that I blew my top. I, it wasn't, it was big. You know, there was a hole in the roof of the car. <laughs> and, and she said, she was in like grade four, and she said, Dad, you'll never lose me because you will always repent when you make a mistake. I, I share this with you because we as the older ones need to recognize the Spirit of the Lord on our children and our children's children. And however, what I did recognize just this weekend was the lie that came to my heart that said, if you ever do this again, you'll lose her forever, was the exact same lie that my pastor told me, you've made too many mistakes to ever have a public ministry. I want you to understand, the enemy doesn't use a bunch of different lies. He just hammers away at the same point of doubt and unworthiness over and over again. Thanks for sharing. That's, <clears throat> as, yeah. I told you we'll, we'll be vulnerable today. Hmm. I know that um, we talked about when, when the penny dropped, to use that, that term, or the moment of revelation, where you, you started to recognize some of the disconnect of your identity with Christ. Um, we even, we touched on Luke 15. I'd love for you to, to unpack that a little bit, that whole idea of where God started to shift your thinking, your perspective, your, your mentality towards being a son in, in Christ. Sure. So, so at, at that point, I had already been in ministry for over 25 years. And... Uh, Anne and I had been married. Uh, we'll be married 40 years this, this summer. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and just so you understand, uh, you know, Anne says she knows there's a God in heaven because I'm not dead and she's not in jail. <laughs> We're talking about family. <laughs> and, and so, uh, uh, you know, a year after this, this very influential man had said to me, you'll never have a public stage. God opened up a door that was incredible. And, and, and the incredible door was that within the same week in 1995, both Anne and I were laid off from our gainful employment. And that was God's open door. And I want you to understand something today, that the Father will never miss an opportunity for His will to be extended beyond your understanding, even when it looks like all hell oh, has broken loose, right? When, when it seems everything's going wrong. And so now we're, we're, we're fast forwarding about eight or nine years. 
we've had the privilege of traveling all over Canada, we've in Europe and all of that, uh, seeing transformation in cities, praying with leaders in cities, and God doing some incredible things. And, and we come home from this one trip, and, and uh, we had a $50 check for an honorarium, which... That was, what, three full days of ministry. That was three full Order days of ministry, eight-hour drive one way. Yeah, $50. $50. $50. Yeah. And, you know, we always said to, to those people that we were ministering to, you know, they would say, do you have a fee? And we'd say, no, because, because we know you know what it costs to live. I found out that most really don't. <laughs> <laughs> so I got, have you ever been, have you ever been angry at God? Um, you know, the lights aren't bright. So just raise your hand if you've ever been angry at God. You know, you all have been, just so you know. So just, just let it go. And, and what I'm going to tell you now is, when you get that angry and that desperate with God, um, and, and you're exploding on the inside, you might as well let it out verbally also. Because, because the Father already knows the thought and the intent of your heart. And so internalizing it is not helping you. And so this one summer morning, I, I just blew up. I said, God, what the heck is wrong with you? I, I work and I work and I work. And, and you know, I said, I said to God, I said, if I worked at Walmart, it would be a minimum wage job. But if I worked 40 hours, I'd get 40 hours pay. And, and if I worked an extra 15 hours, I'd get overtime. And so, God, I've had this mindset of being very diligent, very persistent, and very faithful to serve you. And I've had this thought that surely if I work 40 hours, I'll get 40 hours pay. And if I work overtime, and you don't come through, what's wrong with you? And the Holy Spirit very quietly but very convincingly said to me, go to Luke 15. And I said, I don't have to go to Luke 15. I know this story. <laughs> I, I'm just, you know. Uh, so I, I, I said, okay. Because he didn't give me an option. <clears throat> so I went. And, and Luke 15 has three stories. The lost lamb, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. So I started reading at the beginning. And I quickly realized the lost coin had not like there was it was a nice story but it didn't do anything for me there was nothing of of a revelatory aha moment for me and the same for the lost sheep and i thought to myself but all that's left is the lost son like there's i, I preach this like i don't need to and so i thought i better look so in luke 15 verse 11 it's it starts to say and it says this um and I'm reading from the Passion Translation this morning. Yeah, we I have feel, it up for, on the screen Is as it well. on the screen? It okay, there, okay. Yeah. So uh, uh, the father said, uh, or there was a father who had two sons. The younger uh, son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me the share of your estate that belongs to me? I, I just think this guy is a scoundrel. He's, he's a, a gold digger, like... Who, whoever asks for their inheritance when dad or mom is still alive. Like, how arrogant. 
So the father went ahead and distributed among the two sons their inheritance. And I went, wow, I've never saw that before. I always just remember the, the bad boy getting his money and running off. I never recognized that the father gave to both sons. And it was in that moment the penny dropped, and I said, I need to find out what God wants to tell me. So I continued. Shortly after, he, he left, and, and most of you know the story. You can go to Luke 15, 11 through to the end of the uh, chapter. But he goes off, and, and he blows his whole money. I think he went to Kananaskis. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You've the, experienced the life, it, eh? the, the life of the party, the life of the mountains, the skiing, and the life of the party, and he blew it all. And all of a sudden, uh, when, when he comes to that point, it, it says, with everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry. For there was a severe famine in that land. So he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him to feed the pigs. Now, it just so happens that today ironically, is the beginning of Passover. And we are talking about a Jewish young man who, who it was sin to be with the pig because the pig was considered a dirty animal. But he was so desperate. And so it continues on. The son was so famished, he was willing to even eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Humiliated, the son finally realized what he was doing, and he thought, there are many workers or servants at my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? And it says, I want to go back to my father's house. And I'll say to him, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you and, and heaven. I'll never be worthy to be your son. Make me one of your hired workers. And can I just say, that's when the penny dropped for me. The Holy Spirit said, Michael, you came home like a hired servant. You came into your walk with me as a hired servant, looking for, looking for acceptance, looking for, for being taken care of, all of those things. And the Lord said to me, you came home like the prodigal did. And I said to him, but wasn't that a good thing? Aren't you glad that I came? And he said, yes, but you're missing the fullness of why you came home. Long story short, the boy leaves the pig pen. He's walking home. I can imagine in my mind as he's walking the dusty trails of Judea. He says, how do I tell dad this? Like, 
And I realized the son was coming home for one reason. To repent so he could get a meal. Many times you and I come home with a deal in mind. If you get me out of this, we're going to be good. And what we do is we set up a cycle of always making a deal and always feeling we have to do something for God. This story is very different than that. It's very different than our religious experience. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar and great, with great compassion, swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raced to meet him. Now listen to the language. Allow your mind to see this picture. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. The father interrupted him and said, Son, you're home now. The father then turns to his servants, those who work for him, and says, Go and get my best robe for my son, and I will set it on his shoulders. Go and get the ring, the family ring, because it is the ring of my authority. And go and get the sandals, because servants in these days were never given shoes to walk out a destiny and journey. And so the father sends each of his hired servants to go and fetch these things. And he says to one final servant, go and get the fatted calf and kill it. We are going to have a feast because my son who thought he was dead, who thought he had to be a servant for me to be in my house, is alive. And I went, oh God, in this moment, my entire life of ministry, my entire perspective on serving God was met with the choice. Do I continue to live as a servant for God or will I step into sonship for you women, for you young ladies, daughtership? And I had this you know, sometimes you feel when you're at a point of choice, you, you, what am I, I there's no choice. Yeah. But Father said this to me. He said, Michael, whether you choose to be a servant or a son, it doesn't matter. I love you. Some of you this morning are saying, this seems like too big a chasm to make the leap. And, and, and so he said to me, as my servant, you will live under my roof. You will eat from my table. And I will put clothes on your back. However, I only share the family mysteries, secrets, the hidden things 
with my sons and daughters. And my heart just broke. Because I realized I was called to unlock the mysteries of the kingdom for the body of Christ. How would I ever fulfill the Father's longing for my life and remain as a servant? And so that day, I said, I give up all of my approach to how I walk with you. And I embrace sonship. That's good. I know that uh, you have dedicated your life um, to this, to sharing the beauty, the, the importance, the value of, of identity. Um, you've touched on it a little bit, but why, why so passionate about this? I mean, I get it for your own personal journey, but really, you know, 20, 30, 40 years of, of investment into, into this life message mm -hmm. um, for the body of Christ and, and beyond for, for humanity, mm -hmm. for those who are far from God to, to maybe for the first time experience what it means to have sonship or daughterhood in, in, in Christ. Why the passion? I, I think the older I get, the, the more passionate I am on this because we see the breakdown of family in culture to the place where, where family is, is, is no longer a place of safety. It's no longer considered a place of, of health and, and, and nurture and, and a place for you to ha literally be able as sons and daughters to step, to stand on the shoulders of your mom and dad. And, and it is the same in our churches. The church is not about the 10 o'clock Sunday morning service, as wonderful it is when we gather. It is about the relationship we have and the nurture as we walk together as family, where we have one another's back, where we will actually, Jesus said, you know, lay your life down for one another. You won't be able to do that if you're wondering, how am I going to <laughs> pay the bills from what I do? How am, I going to, how am I going to have enough for what I need? And so for me, uh, this passion is about the Lord uh, is very clear in John 17. He says, I have one family. Israel was one nation. They had 12 tribes, but they were one people. And we as the body of Christ become so fractured and so divided over the smallest of things, whether it be a doctrinal thing, whether, it, I mean, let's be clear, in the day of COVID, we, we divide over whether you should wear a mask or not wear a mask, if the government's enough, enough, enough. There is a standard that we're called to that is higher than what we see in our day-to-day -day realm. And it's heaven's perspective. And Jesus' prayer was this, Father, not my will be done, but yours be done. Let the will of heaven be done on earth. Can you imagine? You and I, you know, we often fall into this trap where we think, uh, well, Jesus was Jesus. 
I could never do the things that Jesus do, so we disqualify ourselves. Why? Because we think he's the son of God and I'm a servant. In fact, Jesus did everything on earth that he did so that we will do greater. The passion of my heart, the extraordinary circumstances of my life, you know, going from the ordinary of, of, of being completely abandoned and feeling rejected and never fitting in to this place of extraordinary was not because I did something, but because Holy Spirit came and opened something up to me. And he said, Michael, I have called you to be a son. Literally, I was in a, in a meeting, and, and uh, there were 65 of us, national leaders, and they were all introducing themselves, and they were all prayer leaders. And I really didn't know how I ended up in this meeting, but I was. And they were going around, and they were introducing themselves. And, you know, we like to, to sort of put our business card out there when we're going around in a group, you know. I'm a... I'm this, I'm that, I, I'm a prophet, I'm a pastor, I'm, a, I'm an intercessor, I'm a warrior intercessor, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a part of this and that. And, and the accolades, the self-accolades were growing as we went around this room and I was becoming concerned. <laughs> and I was near the end. And uh, I said, you know, uh, I'm Michael and I'm a son. And all of a sudden, people said, can I change my answer? You, I want you to understand there is fruit to being a son. There is something that will happen to you. You don't have to put a billboard out. You don't have to do anything. Can I, can I share that? Yes, please. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, a few days after this explosive experience with God that revolutionized my life, I had a 75, 80-year-old, charismatic, Catholic, Italian immigrant lady who lived about 700 kilometers away from me, phone me. Now, at this point, I think I mentioned to you we were broke. And, and so Anne was telling me in those days, Michael, when you go on a platform or anything, you have to wear a suit coat. Only because the, the back of my jeans were pretty thin. <laughs> she was worried. So this lady calls and she said, Michael, um, we're, we're sending a bunch of beautiful clothing to India, but there's a bunch of Canadian winter suits and, and India won't need those. Could you use some of them? Your name came to my mind. I said, oh, that'd be fantastic. I'm thinking, wow, Anne was telling me I need nude clothes. That'll be great. So I said, you know, I'm just in a meeting. I'll call you back later. So I called her the next day. And she said, oh, Michael, I'm so glad you called. She said, you know, you know, some of these clothes won't fit you. And I thought, well, duh. You know, I'm fairly tall and you, I'm fairly slender. <laughs> <clears throat> and, and so Canadian culture might not always be that way. <clears throat> so so uh, uh, she said, would you mind if you, those suits that don't work for you, if you'd give them to other pastors or, you know, other leaders? I said, oh, no, that would be my privilege, my absolute privilege. Why? Because I'm going to get the ones that are going to work for me. And she said, oh, that's, I'm so glad, Michael. She, I said, oh, that's, so I thought, how do you want us to get them? You know, it's a seven-hour drive. She said, oh, there's, there's one other thing, Michael. 
Um, this morning I was praying. Did I mention Italian, Catholic, went to Mass literally every day. She said, as I was praying for you this morning, Holy Spirit spoke to me. She said, and I can't give you personally any of these clothes. And I, I first thought that came to me, I'm really glad she can't see my face. <laughs> right? I can fake it on my voice, but my face is horrified. And I'm thinking to myself, is this the life of a son? Right? I've just experienced this sonship thing. But I held back, thank God. And she said to me, Michael, the Holy Spirit said to me this morning, sons deserve new clothing. I'm putting $1,000 in your bank account today. And she said, you can't spend it on anything but clothing for yourself. And I'm going, oh God, I can't buy anything for Anne? Doesn't seem fair. She puts the money in the bank. We go shopping. We go to the bay. Uh, classic. Cla yeah, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was the day of Dockers. And uh, uh, I walk in, and the whole men's department is 65% off. Of course. Now, you're all excited about that, but that means there's more clothing for this guy who's still not really knowing if he's really worthy of so much. And, and literally, I'm buying multiple pairs of the same pants. I know, I know. And so Ann and I, are, we're carrying everything out. It's all Ann approved. And we're putting it in the back seat of our 1992 Pontiac Firefly. Now that's a three-cylinder car on a good day. <clears throat> and we get it all in the back. and the, You can't see out the back window because the, the, the bags are so big. And I get in the car and I say to Ann, honey, and, and we're just sitting like this except closer. But we don't have to go closer. Okay. And, and I said to her, um, honey, I have a confession. And, and now, those of you that have met Anne, you know that her, her high gift area is mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. And so I said, uh, I have a confession. She said, what? I said, you know, if I spend all of this money on clothing, and I don't have money for the mortgage payment on Friday, all of my pastor co-laborers are all going to say, you were foolish. You were an unwise steward. And I said, I'm afraid to fail. And she looked at me with those mercy-filled eyes, and she said, what did Carmela tell you? She said that I was to spend the $1,000 on clothing. She said, okay, good. Shut up and get over it. 
Good job, Ann. I've had a few of those moments, too. So literally, two days later, I'm getting on a plane and I'm flying to Montreal on a direct flight from London, Ontario. And I uh, arrive in Montreal uh, only to be told that my direct flight luggage from London to Montreal has been misplaced and they think it went to Vancouver. And I'm going to be preaching in a large, the largest Pentecostal church in Montreal, French, French First Congregation, the next morning. And uh, uh, I'm uh, sort of freaking out. Uh, I'm now two hours late for being picked up. The guy finally arrives and he says, uh, I'm sorry I'm late. Um, and I'm thinking, well, yeah. I, I, I want to be authentic with you to understand what it is that you are walking through into sonship. And so he says, uh, I'm sorry we're late. Um, we had an all-night prayer meeting because you're coming to minister in our church. <laughs> I guess my complaint sort of has to be let go of now. We judge very quickly. And he said, the man that was going to pick you up is sick in bed. So the pastor asked me to pick you up. And I said, I'll pick him up, pastor, but can he stay at our house? And I, I, it didn't matter to me. I didn't know anybody. Um, and, and so I just said, okay, so, so we're on our way to his house. We get to his house. And he, and he says to his wife, honey, this is Michael. Um, honey, his, his luggage didn't arrive. They think it went to Vancouver. She said, really? His name was Jean-Claude. He, he said, yeah. She said, well, while I was getting ready, the Lord said for me to prepare clothing for Michael. And I'm going like, what is this, Lord? These folks were lovely. They were about five foot six, five foot four. What they didn't have in height, they made up for in other areas. And uh, so we're waiting around for the afternoon, and now I've made my final call to the airline, and they don't know where the luggage is. I say to the man, I guess I should go to the, to the shopping mall. He said, that's a very good idea. And he looks at his watch, and it's three minutes after seven. I said, I suppose the mall closed at 7. He said, yes. I said, I suppose it won't open before 10. He said, no. And I said, okay. And his wife calls from my bedroom. She says, come downstairs. Now, can, can I stand? Sure, of course. You know, I'm six foot two. And on a very good day, I weigh 155 pounds. <clears throat> and uh, she's standing in the room, and she's about this tall. And she holds out a pair of trousers. And she said, would these work? And, and, I, and, and they fall like they're long enough. And then she pulls out a jacket. Now, I just bought $1,000 worth of clothing, including new trousers, new jacket, new everything. And she puts the tag out, and it's a 38 tall, which is exactly what I needed. And then she said, but you need a shirt. Now, in, the, in that time, I liked the button-down shirt, but I needed a 15 and a half neck and a 35 
or three six sleeve. The reason I did that was because I don't want you to see my skinny body. There's so many things we cover up because we don't know who we are. Her husband says, I'll go check my closet. <laughs> I'm thinking this is hilarious. So he goes up. Jean-Claude comes down and he's got a shirt that's a 15 and a half neck 35 sleeve, button-down collar. And it goes with the pants and the jacket. And then his wife, I can never remember her name, but she says, you can't wear white sports socks with a suit. And I said, you're exactly right. Anne would not allow it. He says, I have five or six pair of socks in my drawer. I'll go check. And I thought to myself, if you've only got five or six pair, Surely you already know what they are. Why do you have to check? And the, the man comes down, and he's holding them, and he's trembling. And he said, Michael, I've never seen this pair of socks in my life. You know, the expensive socks that you buy in uh, specialty stores. The bay. They, Now, that's just product placement. Great. That's you're, product placement on you're your right, part. You're right at the climax. Keep going. This is good. This is good. <laughs> they put this, this tissue paper on the inside of the socks. And the tissue paper's still inside them. His wife looks at the socks. She says, I've never seen this in my life. And they just immediately say, the angel of the Lord must have brought these. They tell me quickly, put it all on. So I'm putting it all on. They've run upstairs. They've phoned the pastor. They've phoned the elders and the deacons. Everybody already knows about this, what is now a prophetic suit. They don't know if it's even going to fit me for sure, but of course it did. I go upstairs, and, and they're just, they are, as Pentecostals, they're praying in tongues. They, they are just over the moon about what this is. And they said, this is your suit. I said, well, I can just wear it. No, this is yours. You must have it. And I said, thank you. And the doorbell rang. And it was the airline. With my $1,000 of new clothing in my suitcase. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, Michael... Whether I need to speak to someone 700 kilometers away from you to give you $1,000 for new clothing. Or whether I have to rearrange where you will stay. So that everything that you will need is taken care for and provided. I want you to know this. You are my son. For the next month, everywhere I went, people gave me new clothing. Only for that one month. <laughs> only to absolutely seal into my heart my identity. The reason I am so passionate about family and sonship and daughterhood 
is because I had a lifetime of ministry without knowing who I was. And you will never be able to be a father or mother if you don't first identify as a son or a daughter. Don't settle for, for where we have been. Step across this threshold. I love that story. Better the second time. <laughs> there's, so, there's so much we, we could continue to unpack here today. Um, clearly, that means we need to, uh, to continue the conversation. And we're going to do that uh, as these weeks move forward. I'd love for you to come back. Who would love Michael to come back? And, and, and it's, we're scratching the surface. We are, we are, I believe you've hit some points at the core of, of many in this room as to what and how we identify in, in, in the kingdom of God. And as we close today, um, just to honor everyone's time and all the activity of, of today moving forward, we'll, we'll, we'll stamp this as part A and go to part B. Sounds but I do, want, I do want to seal this mm -hmm. conversation mm -hmm. um, with some prayer mm -hmm. uh, gener generationally across this room. Yeah. I would love for all of us to, um, to stand together in this moment as you lead us through, the, through a, a prayer generationally a blessing yeah. as we close today. And I, I just want to say that um, part of restoration of sonship at the age of 58, the identity of who I was as a baby born before I was adopted was reintroduced in the fullness of restoration because at the age of 58 I met now who my son-in-law is but it just so happens that Philip Edward was my very birth name I want you to understand this is not a concept of family. This is heaven's blueprint. And as we step into this time of blessing, there, there is so much more. Ann and I, you know, we, we developed a seminar called Back to Eden, The Road to Restoring Innocence. If you want to go deeper, we would love to cover not just this one area of blessing, but seven different areas of blessing that our culture misses. The, the area of blessing in the, in the womb. My, my womb experience was one of, of curse and almost death because my mother was suicidal. The blessing of birth, the blessing of childhood, the blessing of stepping into puberty, manhood, womanhood. The time of blessing when you come to the place of the vow of marriage. And the final and the most wonderful blessing. 
is when we are in our elder years and our children rise up and they say, we are blessed and we bless you. Malachi 4 verse 6, the very last chapter, the very last verse of the Old Testament says that when he comes preaching in that day, he said, the Father's hearts, the New International says, the, the parents' hearts will be turned to the children. And the children's hearts will be turned to the parents. Lest I strike the earth with a curse. As kingdom-minded people today, we are the opposite of curse if we step into it. There's a threshold that you're stepping across today from serving God the best you can. And you're stepping into. Nadia, you talked about stepping into something when we were praying this morning. Stepping across that threshold Literally, it's a place of dying to being just a servant and becoming alive to being a son or a daughter. It's a moment of transformation. And so I'm, I'm asking now that the elder ones of us, you know who you are. I want you to, you give the instruction and, and then I'll, and then I'll but, but I want us to intergenerationally release blessing to being sons and daughters so that we can become fathers and mothers. Fathers and mothers don't have to have gray hair, either in the natural or in the spiritual. When my daughter was in grade four, she was a mother in that moment. When she said, Dad, you'll always repent and so you'll never lose me. Change my life. So you, you give us the yeah, instruction I, how we do this. I just think for, for time's sake, let's just stay where we are. And if you are of that age, 55 plus, just to begin, just around you, kind of face somebody that's... Look them in the eye of a younger younger demographic, and this is stretch our hands out around this room. If we are on younger age, our millennials, thirty somethings, just receive. Put yourself into a posture of receiving right now, and uh, we want to just create this moment of um, of connection, of unity. Yeah. Uh, really, just the beginning moments of what I believe what the Lord wants to do in this house. Mm. But we want to we want to set set a standard today yeah. of what this means, the generations supporting and, and blessing each other. And, and, and Tim is I'm old enough to be your dad. Yes. <laughs> and yet you teach and release so much. Mm. I want to honor who you are as a son of your heavenly father. Not because of what you do, but because of who you are in Him. 
And where there's been lies that say, I have to work so hard to be approved. I remind you that the father ran to his son and he kissed him many times. And he set a mantle. I set a mantle on you. This mantle, this robe, he was still wearing all of his dirty clothing. But God the Father sets a mantle, his best robe on you today. And then he sends a, a ring on your finger, his kingdom authority. Tim, I set that ring on you. I set it on each one of you this morning as sons and daughters. And he gives you brand new shoes because the journey you will walk is nothing like you have known before. It is not an aimless wandering anymore. It is not a wondering if you will be enough. And now the Father prepares for you this feast of celebration. Sons and daughters in the house. So those of you that are older, just extend your arms toward the younger ones. We need to establish safety as a family. And I, I declare over all of you, there is no mistake that is not covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is no mistake that holds you captive to being who you thought you were before. Lost identity will be restored in Jesus' name. And Father, we say thank you to those who have gone before us, to those who have modeled forgiveness and patience for those who have said yes to standing in the gap so that we could be set up to succeed as those coming behind. We thank you for each and every woman, every man that has been obedient to your voice, the longevity, the faithfulness, the courage, the resilience to even though they might not understand everything or prefer everything they, they stand committed to the things of God and because of that it has opened up doors for my life and for so many in this room and those watching online whether we realize it or not it is because of those who have gone before us that we have the opportunities that we have where we have the space to, to soar where we have the space to, to, and, the, and, and to find the courage to be all that you've called us to be, Lord. And for that today, I say thank you. Would this be the beginnings of bringing all generations together here in this house in a, a new and profound way as we have already been laying the foundation in this area? Would this be the beginning of intentional care for one another in a supernatural way. I speak that over this house. Lord, I honor 
Michael and Ann today for their vulnerability, their willingness uh, to say yes, to opening up their hearts to the things that have brought them to this point in life. We learn, we glean, we draw from each other, we choose to trust one another. Would you seal this moment in each of our hearts? I thank you for this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Come on, let's give Michael a hand. I do thank you all for, for the extra few minutes this morning. These are, are busy days of, of information and, and uh, process, and our AGM is right around the corner today. But we will continue this conversation. I, I, I know that we have to put a thumb in it. But if you're staying for lunch, get on out to the lobby. Our, our teams are ready for you. Uh, some sandwiches prepared, $5 for, uh, per, per person or $20 a family. If you've got a bigger family, that's a better deal. So get out there, enjoy that. We're going to get back in here, hopefully, uh, right, right at 1230. There's a QR code uh, to sign up for the online uh, uh, voting, and you'll get that when you come into, to back into the room for those who are members. Please do that. Michael's got this amazing uh, thing on, the, on, the, on all your seats there. There's a QR code for 50 days to your Pentecost, which we will begin on April 4th, correct, or 3rd? April 3rd, uh, as a journey towards the Pentecost Day. This is something I'd love for all of us to consider. You can get the digital copy, or if you'd like an, an actual copy of the book, talk to Michael or myself or our, our team at the desk, and you can. Uh, we'll make sure to get some copies for everybody for that. Thank you, church. We love you. Stick around. Let's try to uh, be as socially distant as possible. Wear our masks until we uh, sit down to eat. Come back in here in the next uh, 35, 40 minutes, and we will move our AGM forward. God bless you. We love you. One more hand for Michael today as we conclude. Yeah. Have a great lunch. We'll see you soon.
the king I will dance, I will sing It could be heavenly Turn the music loud Lift my voice and shout From where I am From where I've been He's been there with me He's built a monument His very people So let his people Sing, sing, sing Death's so wonderful Just to be here now Praise the mother, open skies Everything leads in praise and God In the company of our beloved King Praise the mother, open skies Everything leads in praise and God In the company